when I was praying for uh, about this um, preach, and actually last Sunday as well, I was in here talking to God about my preach, and I looked up and I saw this curtain in front of me. And God said to me, just like that curtain is opened wide, when I died on my cross, when Jesus died on his cross, the curtain was ripped into and my presence flowed out. And I felt God saying that not just in my preach now, but God's presence is going to flow out onto you. And I think God's already done that this morning. And Neil's word there, I don't know about you, like, Neil was crying, I wanted to cry, I'm sure other people in here wanted to cry, not because Neil's great and we hear him talking about his love for his child, but because we identify with the love of God towards us. When we hear that story, and as Neil explained to us, we know Neil was saving, trying to save Luke from a wasp. God was sending his son Jesus to save us from eternity away from God and in the worst place in existence, hell, where God is just not there. So he wasn't trying to save from a wasp. He was trying to save from eternity away from himself. Isn't that beautiful? And that's why we're just going to spend two seconds now, um, and we've done it a few times this morning, just being quiet. And I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit just to wash over us, wash over me as I come to speak as well, and that we are ready to hear from him and to know his amazing, beautiful presence and love. So literally just two seconds in silence. In your heart, just ask the Holy Spirit. If you don't know who the Holy Spirit is, the Holy Spirit is God, to come and wash over you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, whilst I'm talking today, please, please, I, from the bottom of my heart, I'd love you to listen to me, but at the bottom of my heart, listen to God. Listen to what he is saying to you this morning. I could say the best thing ever, but it's nothing compared to what God is going to say to you. So yes, listen to me, but listen to God through what I'm saying or something else. Just listen to God. So we're going to look today at Acts chapter 9, and we're looking at the conversion of Saul, okay? Now, you might know a little bit about Saul. You might have heard this story many, many times before. Uh, This wasn't actually my original preach. I couldn't do the first one, and I swapped to this one. And in fact, DR said it to me this morning, oh, you got a juicy one. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it was juicy, but there's so much juice in it. How much do I put into a cup to drink today? Because I don't want to leave stuff out, but I don't want to overwhelm us by what we're doing. And we only have 20 minutes to get through the whole thing, and I have videos, so bear with me as we go on a journey today. But Saul, who is Saul? And as I said, we're in chapter 9, but we can pick the story back up in chapter 8 of Acts, where it says this, And Saul approved of his execution, him being Stephen, who was killed. Saul approved of his execution. And then later on it goes to say, but Saul was ravaging the church, entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. This is who we're talking about today. Saul, who approved of someone being killed because they were a Christian. And actually, when he later on to hear, he wants to kill lots of Christians. And was going house to house to house to go, you're a Christian, right, you go to jail. You're, you're a Christian, you go to jail. It doesn't matter if they are male or women. He's like, you're a Christian. You are so much of a threat. And, you're, and what you're doing is so wrong 
you made it all up. I'm going to chuck you in jail. I want to chuck you in jail. This is who we're talking about today. And that's just from two verses in chapter 8. And we're going to skip to chapter 9 where we pick the story up. So we are going to watch a video of, hopefully video one, of Matthew, who's a member of this church, reading uh, Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 9 in Cantonese. Okay, so you probably won't understand it, but we love languages, we love culture. And what I want you to do is, if you've got a Bible, uh, read along so with long. you, but also we'll put a PowerPoint up afterwards that has the words on in English. So listen to what Matthew's saying. Tato 听见有声音对他说却什么也看不见他们牵着他的手领他进大马士革他三天都不能看见什么不吃也不喝 OK, so if you, don't, if you didn't have your Bible with me, I'm going to quickly sum up the story because basically we're going to go through a story today. Basically there's this man called Saul who I've already told you about. And he was, it says in uh, the version we read, breathing threats. And that just means he was threatening Christian after Christian, as we just said. Um, and he was threatening not just prison. In this verse, we also hear he was threatening murder. He was threatening murder. And basically, he goes to these important Jewish people in Jerusalem and says, can I have the letters, which basically means, can I go to Jerusalem with these, with these letters for the, for the uh, synagogues at Damascus? So they go, yeah. And basically, in this verse, he says, I want to go. It's kind of like this side conversation. Do you know you have those conversations with people? The real reason I want to go is because I think there's Christians there and I want to catch them and put them in jail. And that's basically what he's doing there. He's saying, I want to go and catch these Christians. I want to end the way. He describes it as the way. Now, he's on this journey with himself and some friends. And suddenly, and this is where we get that road to Damascus we hear about a few t- uh, quite a few times. In fact, it's a common saying. This bright light hits him. And he's on the ground, and it's like, it says, in the verse we saw, you'll see it up there, it shone around him. It shone around him. And as we got there, it says, there's this light and this voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you, Lord? And the voice says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And it says, but rise and enter the city, and you will be told what to do. So he's got this instruction. He's like, okay. So you go to rise up and go, I know where I'm going. I'm going to go to Damascus. And suddenly he stands up and he says, he opens his eyes, but he can't see. He's blind. And I don't know about you, and I'm not blind, thankfully, but I am losing a little bit of hearing. Um, my wife sometimes says it's selective, but I'm sure it's not. I just, you know what it's like. 
so I don't want to do all the jobs. Um, but basically, it's okay, I, that was a joke, but if you don't want to laugh, it's fine, I don't mind. Um, so yeah, so I would hate to, I'm losing hearing, and I hate that, but I'd hate to lose sight, because, I don't know, I'm looking out here, and I can see everything that's going on. I can see it, and, I, and it gives me information, and it lets me see what's going on, but Saul stands up, and he opens his eyes, and can't see anything. To me, that's his first indication that he, he was blind. He was blind to who Jesus really was. And then we're going to go on this journey for three days, he is, and then he's going to meet someone, which we're going to find out in a minute, and his eyes will be opened and he will see the glory of God and he'll be transformed. So he stands up and he can't see and he's led away um, into Damascus. And he says he's for, he was three days without sight and he neither ate nor drank, which is also quite hard. I think three days is a, a nightmare. So, why am I stopping here in this story? You might think, oh, nothing much has happened. He's encountered God yet, but he's still blind. There's, there's no huge transformation yet. But when I was praying, God said, Sam, I write no one off. I write no one off. Saul, who was judgmental against Christians, he wanted to kill Christians, he wanted to put him in prison, encounters Jesus, and it's like, hold up a minute, if I was going to, if it was me and I wanted to meet someone, I'd look for my friend who may be a little bit interested in Jesus, but Saul, who's committed to killing Jesus and ending the church, Jesus goes, you, I'm not writing you off. And I felt God say to me, Sam, are you judgmental? Do you look at someone and say, yeah, they could probably do Jesus, but it's not my job to tell them because I'm not sure God really wants it. Like, I don't know, do you ever have that feeling? Or is it just me? Where you look at someone and go, yeah, that might not be my job to tell them, or, whoa, they're beyond. And God says, Sam, has that ever thought ever gone through your head? And I can't stand here and say to you, no, it hasn't. I know it's gone through my head on occasions. I try and try that it doesn't. And God said to me, Sam, I am not like you. I write no one off. No matter what they've done, they can still be forgiven and saved by my love and sacrifice on the cross. I want you to take a moment and to think about, close your eyes again if you want, think about either what you were like before you gave your life to Jesus, if you are a Christian, or some of the, maybe some of the ways, that if you're not a Christian and if you are a Christian now, some of the ways you act that I think probably aren't pleasing to God. Take a moment, just think about the sort of things all of us have done. I know I could stand here and list thing after thing that I've done wrong. But yet Jesus saved me. And he can save anyone. He loves every single one. We're all made in the image of God. So my first point is, no one is beyond the point of saving. Just like Saul, we look at Saul and you think, hmm. That's as far as we can go, really. Somebody's trying to end the church, trying to end Christianity, trying to murder, get them killed, put them in jail. And Jesus says, no. I still love him. I still want him. 
Or maybe you're sitting here today and you identify with Saul. Maybe you're not a Christian and you're thinking, well, I'm not as bad as Saul. I've not tried to murder any Christians, but I have done a few things wrong in my life. Would God really want me? Well, can I tell you this morning, yes, he does. Yes, he does. He loves you and he wants to welcome you into his family. He wants to wrap his arms around you and say, I love you, my son. I love you, my daughter. Do not, do not discount yourself because of your past. As I said, yeah, I've not tried to murder someone. I wasn't like Saul. But I've done things wrong and God loves me. God loves me. And maybe for us who were feeling when I was saying, yeah, I think like that sometimes, maybe this time as we come out of COVID, it's a time and our lockdown to reset our thinking. I was on Facebook yesterday and my friends with this, this guy, I've only met him a few times, and um, he's a, a vicar and he's on holiday at the moment in the Isle of Wight, okay? And he's, he goes getting a, a taxi, a boat taxi back over to the mainland and he went to this shop and he was in this shop and he said, this woman was serving him. And he told her the gospel. And she gave her life to Jesus in that moment, in that moment. And I want us to reset our thinking and to a, a way that we look and go, no one is beyond the gospel. No one is beyond Jesus. Am I ready to share? I personally, I do never, I never, never want to be filled with judgment for someone saying, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. And that's not to say if we don't do it that we've drastically messed up and God's going to be really angry with us. He's not going to be like that at all. He tells us, come on, my son, I'm going with you. No one is beyond me. No one is beyond the point of saving. So let's carry on with the story. We're going to try and get quickly through this because we don't have long today. Um, now, the second part of the story, we meet a man called Ananias. Okay, and we're going to listen to the, the passage in a minute. But as you listen, this one is in English, so do not worry. We are back to probably a lot of your first languages or second languages. And um, this time, you might identify more with a man called Ananias. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief the chief priests uh, to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, maybe you identify more with Ananias. Now, this, this series is about transformation, and we've already had a little look at Paul, uh, Saul. I kind of gave it away where he goes eventually. Uh, with Saul, 
And we've had a little glimpse of him, and we're going to come back to him later on. And now we're on this next man, Ananias. Now, we might think, well, when we look at transformations, the clear transformation in this story is Saul, and you'd be correct. But there is a transformation of Ananias just in this passage, and it blows me away every time I read it. So, it says, as we said, that now there's a man... Uh, now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him, Ananias, and he said, in the other version, it says, here I am, Lord, and here it says, yes, Lord. Don't you want to be like that? Where you want to be a man or a woman who God says your name, and you're like, I'm here, I'm listening already, don't worry, I didn't have to hear you call me like millions of times, I'm actually listening to you. So we get an idea of who Ananias is. He's a man who listens to God. He's a man who loves God. He's described as a disciple. He's a man who is a follower. And actually, when we think about the context of this passage, we're we're reading about a man who's trying to kill and end the church. When he's described as as being a disciple and following, we know he's doing that in the face of threats and intimidation. So this man is no weak man. This man is no weak disciple who's hiding away anywhere. He's clearly a a believer He's clearly got a good relationship with God, which involves listening and talking. We see this in this passage. But yet he still goes on a transformation. So by this point, we think it's all going kind of well for Ananias when he says, here I am, Lord. And then then God says to him, basically, right, so there's this man called Saul. You might have heard of him. God doesn't say exactly this if I was doing it. There's this man called Saul. You might have heard of him. Um, He's the guy from Tarsus. You know the one? And he's going through, he said, hold up. Did he just say Saul? The one who's trying to kill all of us Christians. If it was me, I'd be thinking, yeah, Lord, are you going to go and get me to put him in jail and it's the end and we can all go? And then then what he says is, it's unbelievable. He basically says, go to him, pray for him. And at that point, I think I would have shut off and gone, are you serious? Are you serious? This man's trying to end us. This man's trying, and not only do you want me to go and pray for him and heal him and, and stuff, I'm actually quite scared. And I think we kind of see a little bit, little bit of that in Ananias' response, um, where basically he says, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. He knows who he is. Saul is not some hidden character. People in that generation, and we know about him now, but people that knew what he was like and what he was trying to do. And for me, my interpretation of this, and it, is, it can be interpreted a little bit differently, is saying to God, if I was it, are you sure? I'm a bit scared. Now, I don't know about you, have you ever been crippled by fear? Now, um, I have. I have on a, a few occasions. Some of you will know my journey and how a few years ago... A, five years ago now, maybe a little bit less, I suffered with depression and anxiety. Um, and, and there was points where I literally were crippled with fear. I couldn't get out of bed. There was points where uh, it was before me and Leigh were married. Leigh would ring me, um, and I'd be stuck in my bedroom, stuck in my bed, crying because I was too scared to go out because of different situations that were going on in my life. I was crippled by it. I was absolutely crippled by fear. And that was me, like, going, some of it was work-related. And that was fear from going to work. Now, Ananias is in a position where he's got to go and speak to someone who's killing Christians. I, I hate to think how much fear it would be in me. I hate to think it. 
Could I have got out that door? So I think actually Ananias' response is pretty reserved compared to mine. Basically, are you sure? But then we see this beautiful, so God explains, and then we see there's another beautiful response actually from Ananias. Now in another version, instead of the word then, it says so. So I'm going to change it to so in this version. So Ananias went to the house and entered it. Now that is a response to fear, isn't it? We fear God speaks truth, and our response is, God, you are greater than my fear. That is our response. As I said, hands up, I have not got that right. My life story tells differently. And if you're suffering with depression and anxiety, this is slightly a different point. As a church, we want to love you and care for you and help you. And so that's not to say we don't understand that there's often medical things that go on, and that's not what this preach is about. Our preach today is talking about when we are faced with a fearful situation, God speaks truth, and we say, okay, God, you are greater, stronger, more powerful, more loving, more protective than anything I'm going to face, so I will go. So Ananias went to the house and entered it. What a journey that man has been on in a few verses. We're not here, we've really not read, read much, have we? And we've gone, God speaks, go and see this man called Saul. Are you sure, God? Yes, because this is what I really want him, and this is what he's going to do. Oh, so I'll go. And you're like, what? That's literally like minutes, minutes. His whole, his whole body, his whole mindset has transformed because he knows how powerful God is, and he knows how much he can trust God and how faithful God is. I want to be like Ananias. Yes, I'm going to fear. And I pray to God that my fear diminishes and gets smaller and smaller in situations. But when God speaks and reassures me, I want to say yes and leave and go. And what's amazing at the end of that, and why we carried on a couple of verses after that, is that he doesn't just go and enter the house. He places his hands on Saul. The guy who could kill him. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming home has sent me so that you see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. The confidence in that man of God's power is unbelievable. From fear to faithfulness in a moment, enters the house, puts hands on Saul, and says, God's going to heal you, you're going to see again, and you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is incredible. Now, we're going to see that Saul has also been on a journey by this point as well, um, in a minute. But I have a question to ask you. Does your fear cripple you? Does your fear stop you in following what God has asked you to do? If so, we want to pray for you to be released from that. We want to pray that you're going to be a man like Ananias. That here's God, and with God's reassurance, says, so, I will go. That is incredible, isn't it? 
Does, your, does our fear cripple our ability to follow God? Now, one small story just before we move on to the last section. On a positive note, I, I play rugby for Hatfield Rugby Team. Um, I'm now currently the only Christian in the Hatfield Rugby Team. There used to be more of us, but um, they've moved away. And um, I remember when I first joined, I was fearful about talking about my faith in front of all these guys who, the convers- I say the conversation isn't always as wholesome as it should be. Uh, it's probably a nice way to put it. And I was like, how can I be a light in this situation? Because I'm just scared to say stuff. I mentioned I went to church. I mentioned that I was a Christian, but I didn't really go into stuff. And um, I remember during lockdown, the last one, thinking to God, God, I want to change this. When we go back, I want to be able to share who, uh, who you've made me to be and who you are. I'd gone from a place of fear to asking God help me because I knew he'd called me into that situation to speak. And since going back from COVID uh, lockdown, since training again, in the space of three weeks, I'd had about eight conversations about, about God, my, my, my faith, about how amazing Jesus is. And some of, them, some of them were a bit awkward. Some of them would be standing in the shower together and he'd be like, so Sam, tell me about Jesus. And I'd be like, this probably isn't the best time. But um, we'd talk about it and it'd be amazing. And we've had so, I've had so many conversations with people interested about Jesus. And all it simply took was for me to go from a place of fear to a place of faithfulness. Just like Ananias. God is faithful. If he tells you to go, he's not going to send you alone. He will be with you. So let's move on to the last section. If we could just get the the last video. This is the last part of the story. Una sa iona mata, ona toi pupula loa lea o ia, wa tu foi ilunga mawa papatisioina, wa ai ia maua malosi. Wa faatasi foi solo, maisi soo, oe na i tamaseko, i nae aso, ona tala i loa lea, Eia isanuka olekeliso ole alulava oleatua wamatua ofo ilato uma oe na faalongo ai mafai ane ele ole tungata ele nei sasawa i Jerusalema e vala au ilea lava ingua ma olea Wasau i inei, e sai sai, mataitai atu i lātou i ose taulanga sili. Awa atili ei ona whaama losi saulo, ma ua le mātonu ei tangata i a tāia sananofo i tamaseko ina ua whaali tino atu eia. Brilliant. That, if you don't know the language, that's Samoan, in case you were confused, like I was the first time Blaze spoke to me in Samoan. Probably was getting told off again. Um, but So here it is in English, if you want to quickly scan over it as I continue. So by this point, we've seen that Saul um, has been prayed for, 
okay? And we, hear, we see this hit straight away with this next verse, and immediately something like scales fell off his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. Now, in that little bit there, in this next part of our journey, we see that Saul has gone on a transformation. We were t- I spoke about earlier on, he went three days without eating and seeing. And I can't, about you, I don't know about you, but what are you going to do three days without eating and seeing? Well, I don't know what I'd do, because I've never been in that situation, but I'm pretty very hungry and thirsty, and I'd, I'd probably be a bit annoyed. But Saul has just met with Jesus, so we, can, we know he's been hit with this bright light, and it's, this has all happened three days, and, so, and we see by this point... He goes and gets baptized after. So he's gone on a journey in those three days. He's probably spent three days praying, talking to God and going, show me who you are. I, I know you said I've been persecuting you. And this is me adding to the Bible, not writing in it. So just be careful. This isn't actually in there. And you can imagine he's gone, tell me who you are. And you can see he's gone on a journey in those three days. So much so that when Ananias comes, who says, God sent me. He doesn't go, you need to go to jail. He receives the Holy Spirit, is filled with the Holy Spirit, can see, which is an amazing demonstration from us of going from a place of darkness to light, from being blind to see. And he goes and and he's baptised. Now we know from the Bible that when we talk about baptised, part of, we know that it's being put into water and it's a representation of going from death to life which is amazing, but we also know from the Bible, part of being baptised, especially when we, we, it's like that today as well, when we hear it, is a total repentance for everything you've done wrong. So we can pick up from this word of being baptised that Saul has gone from a, from a, on his journey of saying, I am so sorry, I know I've got so much stuff wrong, I, am, I, I love you and I'm so, so sorry. You can just kind of feel that so the journey has gone on that when I read this. And then he does that. And it's like this man comes, as he's been told, and he's prayed, and he can see, and he kind of go, he must be like, this God is amazing. He's done everything. He's done everything he said he would, and he's forgiven me for the fact I was trying to end the entirety of his church. So he goes off and gets baptized in the water, and he's like, brilliant, brilliant. What we see here is an amazing transformation um, of what we are, what we're like when we become a Christian. The old has gone and the new has come. Now I've got King's Kids and Crash. If you want to watch this one, church watch as well, obviously. But there's a video coming that shows us, and I hope you enjoy it, of what it's like for us. And this is as we draw to a close. Hi King's Kids, hi King's Crash, and hi church. I hope you're ready for our Hi King's Kids, Hi King's Creation and Hi Church. I hope you're ready for our visual demonstration here of being transformed. Now King's Kids, this morning, if you haven't heard, we are looking at Saul and how Saul <clears throat> changed from being someone who wanted to end the church, kill Christians, to someone who went around telling everyone about Jesus. Uh, he was totally transformed. But what is even more amazing than that is that for all of us, every single one of us who gives our life to Jesus, go from being someone who's in darkness and death to being in light and alive. And I'm going to show you how that works. Now, this is us and Saul. This is sin. And this is Jesus. Now, what happens is sin enters us. 
and makes us all rubbish and horrible. And there's no way of me <clears throat> getting that, that horrible sin out of me. There's just no way. I can't do it by myself. But Jesus loves us so much that he died for us on the cross. And when we believe, he enters us and turns us back to being just totally forgiven. Everything we've done wrong is forgiven because of what Jesus does for us. Isn't that amazing? That's total, total transformation. Sin in a moment is, is forgiven and we are set free from it. It's no longer our master. So we were covered with sin and sin was in us. Jesus came and rescued us. And when Jesus rescues us, he gets rid of all that sin and we are totally transformed. The old has gone and the new has come. So church and King's Kids and King's Croatia, I hope you enjoyed that. And back to me again at church. Brilliant. So uh, King's Kids, I hope you enjoyed that video. Um, and church, I hope you got the idea of what we're trying to say there is that we are, like Saul, we are covered in what we, we did wrong. Absolutely, through to the core of us was sin. We rejected God. Sin is anything we do against God. We rejected him. We're covered in it. Jesus comes, rescues us by dying on a cross. We give our faith to him, our life to him. We call him Lord and Savior and say we're sorry. And we are totally forgiven when Jesus covers us. And that sin goes. It doesn't mean we, don't, it doesn't mean we live perfect lives from then because we get things wrong. But Jesus has totally saved us and covered us. Now, the title of our series, and we've just come into the end with it, was people that are transformed and changed the world. We've seen Ananias was transformed, changed, faithful to God, changed Saul's world. Amazing, amazing. Saul, committed to ending the church and killing Christians, is saved. Total transformation, just like us, everything we've done wrong, we give a life to Jesus, totally transformed, his transformation is incredible what he goes on to do. If you open the New Testament, you're more than likely to fall on a book written by Paul. Because he went on to spread the gospel and he, he, he took his forgiveness and said, wow, I've got a new purpose. A transformed life, and this is our last point, a transformed life leans, leads to a life of change and purpose living for God. We see it um, just, just at the end of uh, that passage, he said he went on and he was teaching and he said, he's, there are people like, is this Saul? Well, he's talking about Jesus. And he said he, he spent time in Damascus telling people about who Jesus is and the fact he's the son of God. And then, as I said, he went on to write so many, so many books of the Bible, traveled around, spreading the church. Now, I'm not saying that God is calling you to go around the whole of the known world spreading the church. I'm not asking you to do that. What I'm asking you to do is today is to consider your life. Consider your life. You, if you've given your life to Jesus, you are transformed. The old has gone and the new has come. God is saying, your, your new self has a purpose. And that purpose is to live for me. In this post-COVID time, wouldn't it be great to spend a well, loads of time really, but even if it's just a few minutes asking God, 
what is your purpose for my life? Now, I'm not saying he's going to say, by the end, by you die, you're going to have to do this, this, and this. He may just give you the next step. Just like Ananias, go to the house. Or he may give you more. But a real transformed life is one that knows it's got a purpose in living for God, just like Paul went on to do. We're going to finish there. Um, We've got two minutes, so we can just finish with the song. Um, And I'm going to finish with these two questions. Do you know the total forgiveness that God has given us? Just like those cups, there wasn't a hint of brown left in it. Not a hint of sin. Do you know that total forgiveness? And we're going to sing a song around being no longer slaves to fear. Do you let your fear cripple you from following God's purpose and calling on your life? And we're going to sing truth now that I am no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. So that's just as the bands, I'm just going to pray. If you could stand up, that'd be great. <coughs> Father, we thank you that you take every single one of us and you say you love us and there is no one beyond, no one beyond your saving power. And God, we come to you now and we say, God, we want to know your total forgiveness. God, if we have not accepted you as Lord and Saviour, we ask for, for you to show yourself to us. But God, if we have accepted you, let us know and believe that you have totally forgiven us for anything we've done wrong and everything we've done wrong. And God, let us not be crippled by fear, but let us be a man like Ananias who goes from a place of fear to a place of faithfulness just because of the word you speak. God, not, do not let our fear cripple us from following your call. We want to be people that are no longer slaves to fear because we are children of God, your children. We pray this all in your name.